Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara, live via Zoom today uh, with Michael McNamara from sunny Florida. Although you're coming home soon, is that right? Yeah, we decided to not get on a plane and drive. So we'll take off Monday morning and see how it goes. I couldn't work up the courage to get on a plane. <laughs> Sounds like a blast. I have heard that planes are uh, are, are relatively safe, right? I've, I've heard it's the airport the airport that you need to worry about as opposed to the plane, but who knows? I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't follow it. I don't follow the, the coronavirus on a daily basis. Yeah, I, uh, that's, that's a good thing. You have and also, I'm, yeah, good. I'm not traveling, so it doesn't yeah. matter much to me. <laughs> I, I hear you. All right. So anyway, so uh, just a kind of a quick little summary, folks. Well, uh, let me let me throw out the yeah. Well, uh, I'm sorry. Let's put out, let's, let's give out the numbers in case anyone wants to give us a ring. Uh, we are live in the Merrimack Valley today. Uh, give us a ring nine seven eight four five four four nine eight zero if you have any questions. Uh, if you want to shoot us an email, questions at McNamaraOnMoney.com. But yes. All right. So we are, and, and again, we're doing uh, Sayonara 2020, just kind of a yearly wrap up where we go over the year and talk about some of the major stories, most of which are coronavirus related. And uh, I'll, I'll throw it back to you then, because I know we were. We were OK, uh, just a kind of a quick summary. So, folks, uh, interest rates are virtually at all time lows. And uh, the, the reason for that is that the central banks of the world for the last 10 years have been lowering interest rates to try to stimulate a global economy, which has recovered somewhat, but probably still isn't back to where it was in 2007, 8, 9. The, the problem is that we have this COVID thing going on and you know, interest rates, you can't use interest rates to go any lower to help out with the COVID. So now the federal government is actually buying corporate and municipal bonds in the marketplace to the tune of like uh, $80 billion a month. By the way, the the balance sheet for the Federal Reserve is $7.1 trillion between treasuries and corporate bonds and municipal bonds that they've purchased, quote unquote. Scary stuff. But from an investor's point of view, that's almost a third of the of the economy. (laughs) <laughs> that's scary stuff for a yeah. whole bunch of reasons. Okay. But anyway, yeah. 
So interest rates are low. They're probably going to stay really low for a long time. And the government is now propping up our economy by buying up bonds, which allow businesses to borrow money and stay in business, hopefully long enough to be okay, sort of a thing. But from an investor's point of view, okay, interest rates are wicked low. And we'll get to some of those savings and bond things in a little while here. And then you're just going to be that way for a long time. That's the way it is. My, my final comment on that subject is the U.S. bond market, last I checked, is up about 7% year to date. Justin, I don't know if you have a number, but it was like six and a half. Or I can seven. get it. Well, I, I can round off if you can't find it, but I'm pretty sure the United States bond market's up about 7% year to date. You got that number, my son? Let's see. Uh, I have indexes. You know, this, this darn thing has... I'll find it. I'm comfortable rounding off. So let me do this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the bond market itself is up 7%, but about 2% of that 7% is actually the interest that yeah. bonds pay. 7.12%. Well done. Hey, I told you, I'm good at making <laughs> guesses. Anyway, so of the 7% that you earned as a bond investor this year, if you yep. bought the bond market, only 2% of that was from interest. Yep. And 5% of that was your bonds growing in value this year. Well, yep. That ain't going to happen much going forward, folks, because bond prices are at all-time highs because interest rates are at all-time lows, yeah. and that poses all kinds of problems for savers and bond investors, and you'll just have to stay tuned when we get to that one a little bit down the line. Any comments before I move on to our next exciting topic here, my son? No, I mean, it, it obviously, you can't, you can't, I mean, you can't invest in the, the, the quote-unquote bond market, but uh, the current yield you know, it, it, it's accurate to say that it's sort of it, maybe it was two percent, and maybe that was at the beginning of the year. At uh, right now, if you buy, I'm just using the iShares U.S. aggregate bond ETF, the AGG is the ticker. Uh, the current yield on that is just is is a measly one point one six percent. Whoopee! Okay. So whoopee. Okay. yeah, so you're you're looking at one point one six with no appreciation. For the for the next year, and, and probably if, depreciation of depreciation. Yeah, so yeah. you're we're, bond investors, you know, short-term investors and conservative investors in general are not in a great position because you don't get a lot of yield, and if you go and you buy a bond that has some downside, um, where. Uh, you know, where you have to watch your fluctuation, right? As opposed to in a CD, where if you, you know, if interest rates change, you don't actually see the value of your CD drop. But, it does, uh, but you don't see it. Right? Yeah, it's not, it's not, you don't get a statement that says, hey, this CD, that 10 grand you gave us, it's really only worth 9,500. But anyway, um, so yeah, you, you have, it's really not a great situation to, for a conservative investor. And, you know, we try to preach that. Unfortunately, there's not a whole lot that you can do about it. Uh, that's just the world that we live in, right? I mean, if you, yep. if you want a guaranteed, investment um that's liquid like us you know like a money market or a savings account you're you're negative with regards to your real return because you have some inflation and that's going to eat up all that yield which is essentially zero yeah jackson there are two things you could do about it, dustin you could accept it and deal with the fact right. that you're going to have very little interest yeah or you can go grab for some more risk and try to get braver to get higher returns. Not, not, not a good plan, folks, but it often happens when interest rates are, are sinking. Hey, Cindy, I just had an idea. So next time we get near a break, if you get nervous, you just have to wave at us because we can all see each other. Perfect. Okay, just let us know about that, okay? <laughs> or break I think a, I like the, Justin, break a I like pencil this, in front of us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like the Zoom stuff. It's pretty well, cool. Because you haven't been able to see Cindy for the last yeah, nine months. Right. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Merry Christmas, Cindy, and all that good stuff, okay? <laughs> all right. Anyway, let's go on to the markets. Okay. The all financial right. markets. Okay. So we set a couple of records this year. We set, set many records this year, but okay. Uh, a, a bear market is a stock market that's officially defined uh, as uh, it, the stock market goes down more than 20% in some kind of a time frame. So from, from, a, from I guess, what was the high, if you go down yeah. below 20%, we're officially in bear market territory sort of a thing, okay? Well, in 2020, we set a record. We had the fastest 
bear market in the United States history this year. It went 33 days. On February 18th, the market was at a high. And on March 23rd, it was at a low of 34% a drop. So 34% in 33 days, an absolute record, Justin, in terms of the stock market plunge, if you will, sort of a thing. All righty. Okay. Uh, so oh, we can hear line. Sam. I think we can. Are you, are okay. you guys on the air? That's the other hey, Sam. Sam. Hey, Sam. Hey, good morning. We can hear you guys. So I don't know if you, I don't know if you intended that, but we sure can. All right. No swearing. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, no. Yell at Cindy after she turns the mic off. You know? <laughs> uh, anyway. Okay. So we set an absolute record for a down downdraft in the yep. stock market, and we set a record for recovery. Okay, fr- from the low on March 23rd, okay, you got back to where you were 123 days later. So we had the fastest bull market recovery we've yep. ever had. I think that's August uh, to August 10th, I believe. Yeah, it's- August 10th. Okay, so, yep. so the bottom line is, folks, okay, things are happening even faster uh, these days than they used to in the past, I guess, probably just because of the, the, the nature of the pandemic and the excitement, I guess. But anyway, right. we set a record for both. And thank goodness, the laws of portfolio diversification still apply, if you know what I mean. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, although the stock market goes down 34%, if you have a 60% stock and a 40% pawn portfolio, you didn't go down. 34% vote. That's not the idea. That's the whole thing behind. Okay. That. So, so basically just in a couple of statistics. Okay. So since 1926, okay. Okay. The average for a bear market is 1.4 years. Okay. Yep. And the average down is 41%. Oh, wow. So remember, this includes the 30s and the depression. But anyway, so so average bear markets is 1926, 1.4 years minus 41. Average bull market since 1926, 8.9 years, yep. and up 465%. Okay. Let me okay. let me just let me just circle back to the comment you made. You, you know, um, you know about about balanced portfolios. So I'm you know I'm running the S and P here, uh, and I also just put in the Vanguard Balanced Index, which is just you know sort of a standard sixty forty type of an index fund that you know that a bunch of people own. It's a pretty good proxy for a yep. for a balanced strategy. Uh, it was down. I mean, it was still down. It was down. Let me guess. Let me guess. Okay. Eleven or twelve. No. Oh no way. Twenty two point seven seven. All right. Okay. From the from the drop there. Okay. Because remember it. the bond the bond market was down. Was that know. a year year to date or just for that? No, period? that was that was until the the bottom, which was on what was that March twenty fourth. Yeah. Yeah. But that wasn't year to date. No. 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 Okay. And you got your money back. Uh, a little bit quicker in your balanced fund, right? Uh, in the in the stock market, you had to wait till August seventh to get all your August tenth. Uh, yeah. In the Vanguard balanced, it was uh, end of July, July thirty first. So yeah. you know, you know, you, if you were diversified, you did lose less money. Although we certainly had some volatility, yeah. more more volatility in the bond market maybe than we would have liked. But that was because it was a real, it was a it was a very much a panic situation, and I think people were were selling everything and not just uh, not just stocks, right? Yeah, Justin, because people keep track of years and because I look at these returns like every day of my life uh, yeah. in, in February and March on, on March 23rd which was the worst day you could have looked at a portfolio pretty much the year-to-date numbers on our balance were down like 10 or 11 or something like that because it was year-to-date not in the oh yeah yeah sure yeah and so 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 my point is folks that if you track by the year and not your statement okay you, you only dug a 10 percent hole at the worst in an average by the way I, I'll bet you if you had the Vanguard year date number can you get that? you probably can't get that on the line but i'll bet you it was 10 or 11 percent but anyway yeah it was down uh i have 19 from year yeah. to date although you know we have different you know obviously we don't we don't own the vanguard balance yeah. index but okay. uh anyway. yeah it was not as bad it wasn't down 22 but it was uh yeah i have it at down 17 at the lowest yeah. all right so folks the good news is about diversification is you don't dig a bigger hole as a stock market and the bad news is you don't climb out of it as fast if you're you know because but that's how it is. Okay. It, it doesn't take much to dig out of a 10% hole, folks. It takes a lot more to dig out of a 35% hole. So just kind of remember that from a diversification point of view. Yeah. And then just a couple other statistics on a bull and bear market.
seconds. And, and I think because this was a short term event sort of a thing, I think that's why things happen so fast, Jeff. But anyway, if if we skip the the recession, the depression in the 30s and go back to World War II. Okay, so, and so by the way, so basically my lifetime, okay, the average bear market has been 363 days and down okay. 30 and down 33%. Okay, and the average bull market has been 4.77 years and up 158%. Okay, but by the way, folks, the, the, the macroeconomic point that you should take from that is that, okay, uh, like forever, every time we've ever had a bear market, we've recovered and gone higher, okay, and then gone down again, then gone higher. Bear markets have always been smaller and shorter than bull markets, and the result of that is, is if you ride through enough of them, you make money, given the circumstances. So look at those long-term charts, folks, as my, as yeah. my macroeconomic point here okay so so far on the planet every time we've had a bull market you recovered what you lost and then some from the last bear market we'll say we should say in the country that's right in the country yeah <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And that's been the rule for oh, a couple hundred years plus or minus yep. sort of a thing yep. not guaranteed though i have to say that the world could come to an end tomorrow and so. in the developed yeah and, and, yeah and in most of the developed world as well yeah. Okay. So anyway, so the so the short story is bull markets and bear markets are natural occurrences. Okay, in the financial world, because we get a little too greedy and stupid sometimes, and prices of things go higher than they should, uh, and then we get a little fearful and stupid sometimes, and sell stuff, and people and things go lower than they should. Yeah. Okay, and and those are bull and bear markets. Uh, you know, the, the companies are worth a multiple of their earnings, but we kind of make that higher or lower sometimes depending on how we're feeling about things. That's kind of the, the, the stock market story. So anyway, b- bottom line is they're natural, they're normal. We've had a couple of quickies this year, okay? Um, and you know, it was kind of funny. This was so short that maybe people didn't even have a chance to look at their statements and get nervous sometime. Maybe more people stayed buckled up this time around because they didn't know about it, Justin. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, we, we always tell people to don't look at your statements, but yeah. you know, back in, uh, you know, back in, back in the year 2000, that meant like, that meant a few years worth of statements. Yeah. You know, the yeah. last few times it's only 30 been months, 30 months worth, by <laughs> yeah. the way. Yeah. 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 This time you only, you only had to skip yeah. like April or, and May and you, yeah. uh, by, yeah. by the time June rolled around, you were feeling okay. If you have a, a well-diversified portfolio and rebalance regularly, folks, and if it's appropriate for your life and circumstances, it's okay to close your eyes. Yeah. Okay. Because you're, you're good. Okay. <laughs> we just mean don't look at your statements as a, yeah. as a behavior control mechanism. Because people tend, <laughs> tend not to, uh, you know, okay. obviously no one likes to see their money go down. Yeah, and, so you can look at them and don't do know, anything about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, if it stays out of sight, out of mind, and, so, yeah. and if that works for you, then uh, we're okay with it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. All right. So enough of bull markets and bear markets this year. Okay. So um, I, I think it's, we should spend a little time on this because this is pretty important for, uh, for investors. So here's my, my outrageous statement. Uh, both the U.S. stock market and the U.S. bond market are at all-time highs and their prices are as high as they've ever possibly been. Okay. I'll stop there. You have a reaction to that, my son? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, uh, you can't disagree with it. You're gonna have a reaction. With it. <laughs> I mean, the the the, U, the stock market is is very very often at all time highs, right? I mean, it's we hope. Just look at the we you hope. Know, <laughs> we hope. Yeah. <laughs> Ideally, we'll all we'll constantly be breaking new records just because we're you know we're hoping that the economy grows. We're hoping that the stock market reflects that, and that we're always earning money, right? So so the fact that the you know the market is at an all time high is great, and and you hear it a lot on uh you know probably on cable. News news, but it's not all that much of a surprise, you know, may, you know, after a year like we had with COVID and, and you know, a 35% decline, uh, it's nice to hear the market is back at all time highs, but it should, it should be there on a fairly regular basis. Right. Um, and so yep. I guess that's my, that's my reaction to that one. Um, uh, the bond, you know, the, the bond market, I don't, I don't think many people pay attention to that. It's, it's sort of, it's long-term numbers, but, yeah. but, and I don't, I don't know if it's ever been at an all-time high, but it is now. Well, okay. <laughs> Folks, when interest rates are at all-time lows, I have a newsflash for you. Bond prices are at an all-time high, and that has some pretty scary implications uh, for investors. We're going to talk about investing for income here in a little bit, a little bit while, so we can kind of get into that. But the, the yeah. short story is, okay, that that 
I could I can make a case that the bond market is at least as risky an investment as the stock market in terms of chances of losing money. The, the magnitude is different. Okay, when when you lose money in bonds, it's usually less than stocks. But but I, you know the the newsflash, folks, is that these aren't your grandfather's bonds floating around out in the world out there uh, with with a thirty year treasury paying like one point six percent per year. That that's like unheard of, uh, and that's foreign territory. We you know that the short story is that. We have bonds. The only reason that we, uh, we, these are our biases, folks, have bonds in, in a portfolio is to cut down the excitement of owning the stocks in your portfolio that are going to make you money over the rest of your life. That's like the short story. Yeah. Uh, w- when you owned bonds and they paid 4 or 5%, not only... Uh, were they good investments to kind of offset what's going on in the stock market, but you got paid a few bucks while you were waiting around holding them to do that sort of a thing. So, so you know, it, the, the bond interest is just a plus, okay, to, to kind of offset what's going on in stocks from, from occasion. But if bond interest is like only 1% or 2 yeah. you don't have as much protection against a stock portfolio. So, so the, the usefulness of bonds cutting down the excitement of stocks in the portfolio is at an all-time low, I guess, from our point of view in terms of managing money. Uh, And that's just kind of a sad thing. I mean, people will still buy bonds even if they pay nothing. But if at least you get 2 or 3 or 4% while you're holding them, that makes for some return while your stocks are sucking wind, however often that is. But that's just – we don't have that protection anymore. It's not – I mean, yeah, I mean, in in theory – we certainly don't have as much of it, right? In theory, it, yeah. in theory, the interest rates could go down from here. You know, the reality is, is that in a world where you're, where you have interest rates that are, you know, five or 6% and all of a sudden, you know, the Fed as a defensive measure starts cutting rates and, and, uh, you know, they, they drop from maybe, maybe five or six down to two or three. That's a lot of appreciation to buoy your stock market returns. Uh, there's just not a lot of room for that at, yeah. at historic lows. So, you know, you you know, with luck, maybe your bonds just stay there and, yeah. uh, you know, maybe appreciate just a bit, but there's certainly not the same potential diversification <laughs> benefit at these levels uh, as there was, as there was back in the good, in the good old days. You know? it, Justin, is it worth it to try to explain an interest rate risk now, or should we save that for later? Or what do you think? I mean, we were saying that, but I don't know if people understand it or believe it. You know what I mean? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we, should, uh, we have a lot, we have a long way to go here. I don't want to, do we okay. want to get, get down that rabbit uh, the, hole? The, the short story folks is that if you buy a bond at today's interest rates, if interest rates even go up 1%, your bond could decline in value from what you bought bought it for. Okay. Yeah. And, it, and it, that's not a, a, a may, that's a will if interest yeah. rates go up. And so, get, you know, get used to the fact that you might buy bonds and see them decrease in value, which has not happened for about 40 years going backwards, uh, given the circumstances. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, t- it, temporarily it does, but yeah, it, not, not, not on a regular basis. And also, you know, interest rates can go up a you know, a, a relatively large percentage from here and, and still be historically low. Right. I mean, yep. if, if yep. interest, if the, yeah. if the yield goes up to like 2% on the U on the 10 year U S treasury, that's going to be, you know, you're going to have a depreciating bond portfolio and then you're still sitting at 2%, which is a, which is still a relatively historically low number, which is a little, a little bit scary. Although we have been, you know, we've been having the same discussion for a long time back when, when interest rates were down in the three or 4% range, they were, they were lower. And so I guess we were, we were early on that one too, on that discussion. But at some point, this this trend does have to yeah. uh, reverse itself. It ain't no place else to go if they're close to zero. Myself, yeah. kind of strange. Yeah, and a couple things about the stock market. So, um, so folks, that you know, the, the macroeconomic point, and this is probably great because we got a break coming up in a couple of minutes here. But but the macroeconomic point is, forget about the stock market. If you own a bunch of companies and most of them make more and more money over the rest of your life, they're going to grow in value. The, 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 the only thing that drives the prices of stocks higher over the long run is those companies have an ability to grow their earnings and their profits and become more valuable because they do so. Okay, so, so, so literally, 
the, the thing that moves stock prices higher over time, the main thing, okay, is their ability to earn money. There's a second thing uh, basically called price earnings ratios, but I don't want to get into that right now. The short story is- I Have that, that chart up if you want. We could we talk about that. It's okay. uh, well, yeah, that gets a little scary. Okay. Yeah. But the short story is if you're a long-term investor, you buy a gr- bunch of great companies and you give them enough time to have most of them grow their earnings and become more valuable. And that's a pretty good bet. If, you, if you're a short- short-term speculator in the stock market, you got a different game. But anyway, okay, um, the, the, the stock market uh, is at an all-time high. Uh, it's probably ahead of where it should be in terms of its real value uh, and, and because we have uh, greed ruling the day here when we've gone up this high in terms of people. Well, let's see, we have a vaccine coming, the market goes up. Oh, okay, we have this, that, and the other thing. But but the bottom line is it's high by relative standards, but that doesn't mean it can't go higher. Right, Justin? Okay. Hi, Kirk. Okay. Hi, Kirk. There's a dog. There's a dog in your background. Yeah, I know. At least he didn't bark. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, it's, it certainly is high by relative standards. Uh, but I, I, then again, you know, it, it's been, tra- you know, I, I actually don't have up to date PE ratios. The last, I only have 33.79. Is that the current? Yep. S&P 500, uh, 33.79. That's very high relative to history, but again, that's that number's been point six yeah. for the, since nineteen fifty. Well, that's been it's been trending up though, yeah. so yeah. you know yeah. you never know. That, yeah. The problem is that you know we we you can say something like oh you know uh, stocks are at the the high end of the historical valuations. That doesn't mean that you know if they trend back to normal over the next year, then we're you know we have a huge problem because the stock market is way overvalued and, and you know everyone loses a bunch of money at least in the short term. Yep. Uh, but if they but if the the historical trend continues and they, and they you know the the new normal going for the next 10 years is 35 well then you know then then you have a oh well no stocks are really undervalued situation so yeah and when it's bond, very difficult to forecast it, yeah. it, it sure is we don't even try when bond interest rates are low that can justify higher prices for stocks just given the circumstances Welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara alongside Michael McNamara for a socially distant uh, Zoom radio show here. We're in three separate locations and uh, we're doing Sayonara 2020 and uh, just going over the year, doing sort of a year in review here, show here. Uh, If you have any questions, uh, you can give us a ring. Uh, Telephone number is 978 454-4980. 454-4980. Again, that's 978-454-4980. We are live in the Merrimack Valley today. Uh, and if you have a, a question that you would like to email us, you can shoot us an email. Questions at McNamaraOnMoney.com. So, Sayonara 2020. We're, per usual, not going to make it through this outline. Um, but we want to, where, where do you want, you want to jump back in here? You're, this is yep. your outline. Your, sort I wanna, of your show. I absolutely want to talk about stock market silliness. I should be. A, you could. You should have been an editor at a pay. You could. You could have been a headline writer. That's the way you're gonna. You missed your calling, Justin. I'm the big picture guy. Okay. Stock market silly. It's exposed. Yes. Stock market silliness. Just missing an exclamation point at that end of that. I, I should be one of those people I criticize all the time. Is clickable. Yeah, it's very yeah. clickable. <laughs> okay. So we, this may take a, quite a while, Justin. Where shall I start? Okay. Well, okay. So the short story, folks, is that stocks only grow in value because of one thing, and that's because they make more money and they become more valuable in doing so. Okay. Okay. As long as companies continue to earn more and more money, that's the story of America. Okay. And capitalism, they become worth more. Okay. So, so the, the only thing that drives the value of stocks over the long run is their ability to make money. And by the way, that's been a pretty good bet for a long time. Okay, folks, if you've invested that way, long-term investor in a bunch of companies, okay, said one way. Yep. The, the, the stock market, okay, the, the, the hint is in the, in the phrase, market equals store. The stock market's a store where people and institutions go and buy and sell their companies because uh, whatever, yeah. you know, just like used car places, the same thing, folks, okay? So, so here's the problem, okay, what, what goes on in the store has absolutely no long-term effect on what a company is going to do 
in their business, you know, what, what processes are going to do, what things are going to manufacture, what improvements are going to do. Okay. The, 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 a company's future is to a large extent determined by what it, it is, what it does and how it chooses to run its business. Let's face it. If they give good service and manage a good company and are in a, you know, in, in a valuable part of the world, they'll make money and survive. Okay. So, so, okay. Because the price of a particular company or a thousand companies went up or down today in the stock market has absolutely no connection, none. Okay. Yeah. To what that company is going to do or perform over the long run period. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It does have an effect on the price, the sale price of that company that day and obviously short term. Okay. So, so the, you know, he, here's my stock market report every day. It wouldn't, it wouldn't take too long. The Dow Jones industrial average was up 300 points today. Folks, that's really easy. More people in the stock market store bought stocks than sold them. We had a supply demand imbalance and prices went up as a result. I'm more, more, people, more people wanted to buy. More right, wanted to buy. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Dow Jones is down 500 points today and people are panicking. Well, here's the story, folks. A whole bunch of people got nervous, decided to sell their stocks, whether it made sense or not, because they were panicking. Okay. And if you have more people trying to sell something that are going to try to buy it, you have a price decline. Stocks go down. So the store is just a supply and demand machine. Okay. Yeah. And that supply and demand is driven by people and institutions. And by the way, what's motivating those people and institutions is greed and fear. So the stock market is a greed and fear store with people anticipating events. If a whole bunch of people buy stocks, they're thinking good things are going to happen. Yep. Okay, well, could be right, could be wrong. If a whole bunch of people sell stocks, they're anticipating bad things are going to happen. Could be right, could be wrong. Okay, yeah, so, the old the old maxim, right? So uh, in the short run, the market is a voting machine, yeah. but in the long run, it's a weighing machine. That, that right? is that's, exactly that's correct. Summarized that's, by Warren Buffett and, that, and many others. That's exactly time. correct. So, so the 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 macroeconomic point here, folks, write this down, okay? Is that the stock market is just irrelevant to a long term investor in great companies of the world, period. Well, the okay. short term, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The market is not irrelevant. The short term movements in it, yeah. the, the gyrations and the ups and downs. Yeah. Yeah. The short term movements of the stock market and the stuff that gets all the press every day are absolutely irrelevant to a long term investor because what goes on in the store has no effect on what the companies are going to do in the future. It did affect their price, but it didn't affect what they're going to do. And by the way, if they're going to do good things and grow and prosper, their price is going to be what it's going to be because of what they did, not what happened in the store. So, so you have to understand that, folks. By the way, in this, and, and I say we've raised to new heights of silliness in the greed and fear store is every time we had a prudential tweet in the last four years, what happened? Okay, if it was a good tweet or a bad, daily reactions to a presidential tweet, stupid stuff, okay? <laughs> that did slow way. down later and it, yeah. There, <laughs> okay. There was so a time when, the, when, they, when they, they really moved the market a lot, wasn't it? it was yeah, crazy. yeah, okay. And, and that's, that, that's the short-term impact yeah. of it. By the way, I'll make up some headlines that are true. Let's see. The second wave of COVID is coming. What, what goes on in the stock market that day? Goes down. Oh, yep. let's see. Ah, the vaccine. It's coming. Stock market goes up. Ah, we're going to have a constitutional crisis. Stock market goes down. Ah, Biden got elected. The <laughs> stock market is going up. Pick, pick a subject. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's daily reactions yeah. to short-term events and people extrapolate into the future due to greed and fear. Nothing else is at work here. Greed and fear. Okay. Uh, and it's irrelevant to long-term investors. Absolutely, positively irrelevant. But we don't get that. Okay. Yeah. If you're an investor, the problem is that you have to be prepared to ride out down markets because you can't, you don't know when they're going to come. Okay. So, so here I am telling you to not pay attention to short term market bad movements. By the way, the longest one since World War II has been 30 months down, folks. Yeah. Okay. So can you buy your way through 30 months without having to sell stocks? The short story is short. You can plan for that. Okay. So, so okay, in or because you can't 
time. You don't know when people are going to get greedy and fearful, okay? Because you can't time what's going on in the stock market and you can't know when it's going to go down, okay? You can be prepared for it to go down in a couple of different ways, okay? You can be prepared for it with a diversified portfolio of stocks or bonds so that it doesn't go down as much as when the stock market goes down, okay? So, it's, so one way that you prepare is by having an appropriate diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds. Whatever that word appropriate is different for everybody, obviously. The second way that you can be prepared to ride through a bad time is to have enough dry powder to be able to live your life during those downtimes. Okay, uh, you know, if, if you're retired and you need uh, $20,000 a year from your retirement portfolio, well, if you had forty dollars or $60,000 of your retirement portfolio in cash, I guess you could run your life for th two or three years and, and wait through. So, so the trick is not to try to time it because nobody can. The trick is to be prepared for it to ride through and have it get over with and ride that next bull stock market up higher and higher. That, that's like it in the short, short version. And, and it was never, the silliness was never more apparent than the daily volatility moves this year. It was crazy with the headlines, right? Justin, yeah. I mean, it was just absolutely crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's, in, you know, to, to be clear, we're, we're talking about, uh, you know, the time scale that we operate on and we think is, is, the, is the proper time scale is, is a much longer term time scale than, you know, the, than the news is taking, you know, the, I mean, if, if, you get a, if you get a headline that says, oh, there's going to be a second wave of COVID and, you know, we, we did talk at the beginning of, the, of, of, uh, of this show about there will be, you know, and there already have been negative consequences with, with companies going out of business, right? I mean, clearly there is an economic impact to COVID, clearly that's going to affect, you know, companies making money, but that's, that's a relatively short term event, even if it takes a few years, you know, to, to get through that uh, and to, and to you know, kind of work all this stuff through the, <laughs> through the system. If you're going to retire in 10 years, it really didn't matter to, to you all that much what happened over these two years. And right. So, I mean, you know, COVID is, is impacting the economy. It is impacting profits and therefore probably should affect stock prices to a degree. Uh, but the time scale that most people should be operating is, is, is much longer than that. And therefore the, the ups and downs really shouldn't, you know, shouldn't matter to you all that much other than just as a, as a, as a curiosity, you know, because you can plan for those things. You can plan to ride through them with a right. portfolio that doesn't go down much. You know, if you, if you can dig out of a 10% hole and have two or three years worth of income set aside, that's it. That's all you can do. And you know what? It's worked pretty darn well for a long time to have that kind of a strategy folks. And that, yeah. that's the macroeconomic point here. The, the problem is the media has gone bonkers this year on You know, so, so short term is, is a difficult way to make any money. It's speculation. And that's, stock market store and yeah. yet the media is right on in that time frame and some of the headlines have been absolutely over the top i i, I i'm gonna get i'm gonna go over the edge here just but but seriously some of the headlines that you've seen this year are absolutely stupid but they just exacerbate that whole yeah. problem about people focusing on short-term events and being nervous and greedy so so the media is not doing any investors any favors folks yeah. uh, any and none of the investment media is doing any investors any favor well the exception of a couple of radio shows uh but yeah. but seriously folks it's silly okay it always has been silly and if you pay much attention to it you're going to make mistakes yeah yeah i mean yeah and again that's something that we've i feel like we've been talking about that since uh forever for, since forever and it only gets worse every year i guess that's why you, you get more and more frustrated every every time we do the show you know what i mean Hey, and that's why we don't get virtually any calls when the markets fall apart from yeah. our clients, right, yeah. Justin? And yeah. from our our hundreds and hundreds of clients, how many calls we get in February and yeah. March? Yeah, not a lot. Yeah, that's because they're we, well trained. You know, we right. find. I, I would say that you know, we find. You know, we have to do what uh, 104 hours of this show every year. Yeah, and you know, we find it difficult to come up with material that's you know kind of useful for folks you know i mean and, and we will have to repeat ourselves a bunch because there really isn't you know there, there's not uh there's not 
16 hours of content every day that's useful about money and the economy <laughs> and markets, right? There, there just is not. No. <laughs> uh, you know, it's mostly, a lot of it is just, you know, very big picture and a lot of it is fairly simple when you boil it down, but you can't sell ads, you know, saying, hey, think long-term, don't worry, no changes to your portfolio, right? You don't, you're not going to get any advertisers. You probably won't get many people watching. And so, yeah. uh, you, you know, you, you, you see a lot of stuff that really isn't all that helpful from our perspective. Not, and, not from our, I, I think in yeah. general, isn't that helpful at all. Yeah. And we, and we can afford to do that, right? Justin? That's right. We can, yes, yeah, that's, that's right. Because right. we're not selling ads. That, yeah. that, that, that is exactly correct. Yeah. Okay. So, so folks, you know, you're right. We could do the show in three minutes every Saturday. Yeah. And, if you, and if you listen to us, yeah. you'd yeah. probably be a bunch better off. Okay, yeah. but we, so we try to go into some of the backup, but no, we're we're yeah. not getting into mutual fund analysis and betas and gammas and uh, a whole bunch of stupid stuff because uh, that that's just inappropriate for yeah. long-term sensible investors. And we include personal finance stuff like you know you know like insurance and like estate planning and and you know all those other things too. We there's we certainly we, we certainly couldn't do two hours of pure investments every week without uh, you know at least not in a way that we would find. Uh, responsible and helpful to you know, yeah. the public. Yeah, and Justin, I've been doing the show for about 25 years, so think about the uh, you know, yeah. how, how boring that could be over that period <laughs> of time, right? We don't mean to say that we're bored doing it. It's just, you know, we, we don't, our message is, is oftentimes can be, you know, can be relatively, sim can be simplified uh, fairly easily. And, um, you know, any anytime you're trying to embellish, I feel like you're you're adding more and more stuff that maybe isn't helpful and, and just confusing people. Yeah, so. but then maybe we can get some advertisers, Justin. What maybe. Do you I don't well, know, you yeah. know. Well, let's talk to Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll do it ourselves. <laughs> Son, that's the way I've done it for 25 years. I have no intentions of changing. Uh, okay. Right. So stock market silliness. Get over it, folks. Buy a bunch of great companies in a diversified mutual fund. <laughs> have some money set aside to wait through the downtimes. And if you're retired, by the way, have some money set aside. That doesn't mean you can't own stocks yeah. when you're retired, folks. In fact, you should own a bunch of them. Okay. You need to buy the time to get through the downtimes. That's the trick because you can't predict them. Moving along. Okay. All right. So <clears throat> investing for income. Oh boy. Now, this take about 10 seconds. It's not happening. <laughs> okay. Let's move on to the next subject. It, the, the, some of these numbers are absolutely astounding and scary if all you've ever done is buy bonds or CDs or savings accounts. So here's these numbers yeah. were as of like a few days ago. So I'm, I'm not making them up, folks. Um, average money market fund yield across the country. 0.1%, one-tenth of 1% 1 in a money market fund. By the way, they were paying 14 to 15% back in the late 70s and early 80s when they came. One-tenth of 1%. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll just buy a three-year CD and make a bunch more money. No, not really. Okay. Average three-year CD across the country, I think it was like as of 12, 17, uh, zero 0.26%. Oh, you got a quarter of a percent per year for three years. By the way, well, we'll get into the inflation and taxes on that in a few moments, but literally yeah. three-year CDs across the country, one quarter of 1%. Well, I'll just buy a 10-year treasury bond because the longer I buy those suckers, the higher the interest rate. Again, 0.9%, nine-tenths of a percent. You tie your money up, if you buy it, well, if you if you held a ten-year Treasury bond today for ten years, you did not get paid a percent a year for all that period of time. Yeah. Okay. And here's here's the absolutely astounding one. Okay, a thirty-year United States Treasury bond as of like two days ago. Okay, one point six four percent per year for thirty years. Okay. Well, uh, inflation the last 10 years, what, about 1.6, about 2%, Jess? What do you think? Uh, Ooh, I, can, I, don't have a, I, don't, I don't know that I'll be eh, here by your number. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hang on a second. Yeah, it, you it know, up. less than two, but but more than one Ooh. sort of a thing. Yeah, I, okay. Telephone. All right. So, uh, yeah, so it's for the 10-year inflation number. Yeah. Yeah. Almost two. 1.7, 1 1.8. I don't know that I'm going to have that. But yeah, all it's right. not it's not all that high. Okay, all right. Uh, so yeah. I'll make this up, folks, but the numbers are pretty close, okay? So if you yeah. get 1.6% on your bonds and you have 1.5% inflation, how are you doing, okay? Yep. Uh, and the answer is you're not doing well because it robbed you of what you just got paid on your bond for the year. 
and we haven't talked about taxes. Okay, so so he, here's the here's the problem for folks who have always invested in income. By the way, for folks who invest in income, they buy they do savings, they do money markets, they do CDs, or they do bonds. Okay, all of those are guaranteed. Okay. Okay. They, they, they're loans. They're forms of lending your money. They're all guaranteed. Okay. And it's very comforting to hear the word guarantee connected to an investment. Well, in, in my world, if you buy a 10 year treasury for less than a percent a year, you know if, you pay, if you pay taxes on that, and then if you adjust for the effects of inflation, at least one and a half, you just lost money in terms of your purchasing power of those dollars. Okay, so- Let me, well, let me cut you off there. We do have a yeah. phone call, which okay. we, oh, we're, hope, we're, gonna, we're gonna attempt to go to here via Zoom. Let's see if it works, Cindy. Can we, and actually I don't even have a, I don't even have a name, Cindy, put- Okay. Hello? Um, got a quick question though. Uh, with the new administration, there may be a tax bracket, they make taxes may go up. What about tax uh, uh, harvesting? Should you sell, should you do tax gains now? And tax losses next year because of the tax brackets. How would you play that out with end of year planning, Justin? You take sense. that one and restate the question so everybody makes sure they hear it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, the question is uh, with uh, you know obviously we have a new presidential administration coming in and potentially you know obviously you know the Biden administration has a tax uh, you know has a tax plan uh, and uh, obviously rates would be higher for some folks. So, you know, we, we did do a show on the Biden tax plan. Um, most, at least according to the plan that they put out, and again, who knows what, what might actually happen. So uh, most taxpayers are unaffected, but the question was, should, you know, should you consider taking some tax losses now? And, uh, you know, with the rationale being that, you know, you want to, you want to reduce your income now when tax rates are higher and then uh, I'm sorry, you, you would want to, I guess, I guess you would want to reduce your income right now, but um, in theory, if, if uh, tax rates are higher going forward, I'm not sure that it's necessarily something that you would do as a, as a tax planning strategy uh, because, you know, really what you might want to do is take the losses. And then if you really were, were pretty convinced that rates were going to go up, you may not use the losses this year uh, if rates were going up. Yeah. That's the question. Well. Was it, was that the question? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, would yeah, you I mean, want to take the gains gains now, pay less taxes, and then take your losses next year when it's higher taxes? Oh, I see. So lock in the gains. Okay. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, so, yeah. and then don't don't yeah. don't offset them so they have zero tax liability. Just wait until next year to take your losses at a higher tax bracket, and you may get more more bang for the buck. I guess. Does that make sense? Yes. I, so uh, we know we, I'm sorry. So that's, um, uh, thank you for cl clarifying the question. Uh, we have not recommended that folks do that. You know, one, we're not sure, you know, this legislation would have to pass, right? So for most folks, the projection is, isn't the, is that rates are, are going to be relatively stable, right? There, there are, if you're a very high income person, uh, then, you know, tax rates are potentially going to go up. Um, there's so much uncertainty, you know, first you need, you know, essentially you need two Georgia runoffs to go uh, the Democrats way. And even then you're going to have to, you know, it'll be a fight to get tax increases through because we have such a closely divided government. And so, um, you know, the odds that we're going to get a tax hike next year, I, I don't put them very high. Uh, we certainly won't know until January. I think the Georgia runoffs are January 5th. Yeah. So we won't yeah. know this year. And so I, I think it would be probably not a great idea to accelerate taxes this year as opposed to uh, next year just because it, a it's probably not going to happen and b for most taxpayers there there really isn't anything proposed that's going to raise taxes on people that's that's my opinion but again we we really don't know because we won't know on anything on the election yeah my, Dad, my, you have two, on that? Yeah, my two cents worth is it because it's unknown it's a it's a bet to do that uh you know when, when it comes to tax planning and taking losses and gains my my reaction would be that you look at your situation and your circumstances and decide if it's a good thing to do. And you don't try to make a guess about what's going to change in the future because you don't know. So, so take, take the world as it is now. Look at what, and by the way, losses are going to be hard to come by this year for many folks, by the way. But the bottom line is I would not, I would do what's best for me and my situation and my circumstances. And I wouldn't pay attention to whether the taxes are going to go up or not because you don't know. 
sort of a thing. We, we, we never try to predict uh, where markets are going to go to change some of these circumstances. And I don't think people should change their uh, strategies about taxes based on where they think they're going to go because we just don't know. So, nope. Uh, take them if you got them. Okay. And use them. Yeah. So again, I just nope. think it's probably, probably a little bit risky to take, to take gains now uh, just because you, you know, you, the odds are you probably aren't going to be in a much worse situation. Although that said, if you're, again, if you're particularly high income, the rates are fairly high. Uh, and you, you know, the, the most I would do is maybe take a, a bit um, but you would want to look at the actual projections on the tax bill um, for what they're worth at this point in time, and then you know make maybe make your own decision. But I, I would lean towards not doing it. Alrighty. Okay, great. Listen, thanks so much. Have a great holiday season, guys. Right, thank, thank you. You, you too, too, as well. All right, all I think right. that worked pretty well. I, we we yeah. couldn't we couldn't hear, and we actually didn't even catch his name, and we couldn't hear yeah. him all that well. So hopefully, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, it, it came through uh, well enough to all of you listeners at home there. Cindy, and again, maybe, uh, okay, we might use you. We'll, we'll get this Zoom thing down going forward here, Cindy, yeah. but maybe you could repeat the question. I could hear him, but just in the background, I had to listen. So we'll figure it out. But anyway, yeah. okay, yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, getting back to investing for income, extremely yeah. challenging, okay, yeah. because of low interest rates, uh, possibly dangerous uh, given, uh, given if you're buying bonds, especially longer term ones, because they may actually shrink in value while you own them. Uh, and, and so just, it's just a very, very challenging world. Um, in, uh, I think it was, yeah, it was basically sometime in the mess between February and March earlier this year. Yeah. I'm sorry. Let me just, let me just jump back to the caller. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the, and I, I didn't have the numbers off the top of my head, which is why I, I, I didn't give them. Um, the, the Biden proposal has an increase in the capital. I mean, the reason that this is out there in the, uh, you know, as a discussion is there, you know, there is a proposal that tax rates, capital gains rates will go to the top income rate of 39.6%. So, right, you know, right now the top rate is 20 if you don't include, you know, the Medicare surtax. Um, but they would potentially jump to 39.6, which is a big jump. Uh, however, it's for households making over a million dollars. And so that's why, you know, for, for the vast, vast majority of folks, uh, there really isn't much of a change proposed. If you're, uh, if you're very, very high income and you, you know, you have a large portfolio and, you know, you're going to, you know, you, you have a hundred or a couple hundred grand in capital gains every year, um, maybe you do, you know, maybe you might accelerate some of that uh, because you want to pay a 20 now and not pay it 40 next year. Uh, but again, given the fact that it's not, it's, I don't think it's likely to happen and that it's just the vast, vast majority of folks are probably unaffected. That's why our, our advice is to probably hold, hold tight. Sorry. Yeah. And put, a, put a little more meat on that bone for the call. That's okay. I didn't have the numbers at the, at the tip of my fingers there. Yeah. And I'll follow that up as long as you went that way. Uh, the, the, Paying taxes is a pain point for just about everybody. Yeah. But in reality, what people actually pay in taxes relative to other things is, is not usually as big as they think it is in terms of the pain, you know? And, and but anyway, I, I, I would never, I, I guess I would be very careful to try to uh, adjust your investment strategy based on tax consequences. Mm -hmm.